0: On today's Locked On Texan podcast, judging a book by its cover, the Houston Texans continue to show who they really are. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Monday edition of the Locked On Texans podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm John Hickman, joined by Cody Davis, and we are here to discuss the 23-20 loss to the Chicago Bears on Sunday for the Houston Texans. Davis Mills, 20 of 32 passing, 245 yards, one touchdown, two picks on the day, Damian Pierce with his the most carries in his career thus far, 20 carries for 80 yards in his first, first touchdown. Jalen P. had a game, two picks, one sack, eight tackles on Sunday against the Chicago Bears. He did his part to try to win, wheel a victory over for the Houston Texans, but it didn't happen. And the story of the game is the highly anticipated has been highly disappointing. Brandon Cooks, Davis Mills, Pep Hamilton have all been disappointing throughout the the season so far but lovey smith playing the role of the defensive coordinator was also a huge talking point during the offseason. and so let's start there lovey smith defense has been terrible tackling the ball the defensive tackles production has been substandard and giving up nearly 300 yards on the ground is where i think this episode should start today
1: yeah john and uh three games in This whole entire game was a disappointment. You know, you talked about Brandon Cooks, uh, which I'm going to exclude him because there's only so much he can do with a quarterback of Davis Mills. And we already know Davis Mills has already been a disappointment. Same thing with Pep Hamilton. But, John, the one thing I would like to say, man, is defense. Um, the front four, the front seven, has been extremely disappointing, um, especially when you take a look at guys like Roy Lopez. God, John, you remember going into the season, I was really high on Roy Lopez because when I go back and I take a look at the second half of last year, it seemed like the Texans finally had a – a great substitution plan after the loss of dj reader for those of you guys who don't know the houston texans have been terrible in their run defense following the loss of reader and yes i understand his departure has been going on what three years now and this is the third consecutive year the houston texans defense um houston texans run defense has looked bad and i thought for sure that they had an answer in roy lopez but at the end of the day john it doesn't matter um how many times the defense was out there on the field it doesn't matter who was on the defensive front or whatever the case might be you cannot uh, you cannot Allow the chicago bears to give up 281 yards on the ground that is just totally um there's no words for it following the game jerry hughes who probably the only person on that defensive front that had a decent game i believe he ended with two sacks um he had an opportunity to talk about the houston texans struggles at stopping and run and this is what he had to say
0: uh we didn't execute it honestly." You got to tip your hats to the Bears. They had a plan. They came out and executed up front. We weren't good enough today. Uh, You know, coach told us all week you got to come in here and make these guys a one dimensional team. Uh, Our secondary played great, but up front, we got to do exactly what the coach asked of us, you know, to come in here, plug that run. We know it's going to be a a physical game. We were prepped for it all week. We got to come out here and just execute.
1: Once again, to understand how bad the Houston Texans front seven, front four has been. Jonathan Owens, the safety, once again, even though it's a good story for him, he finished the game for the third consecutive game with the most tackles on his team with 11.
0: The offseason signing of Jerry Hughes, as great as he's been for the Houston Texans, should not be the talking point at this point in the season. Jonathan Gennard, who I think has played some good ball, he had a sack on Sunday, he's had a half a sack so far this year. Uh, but, but between Jonathan Gennard and Malik Collins, they haven't been as strong as you like for them to be. As two guys that returned last year, as two guys who has a lot of expectations coming into this season for being leaders, for getting better over the offseason. Where have they been consistently? But on top of that, overall, there isn't a lot of – like we haven't seen Mario Addison. We've only seen Green in spurts. Okrawonko hasn't been as effective as maybe you like him to be – from what we saw from the preseason and overall up front. They're just not able to kind of cause disruption consistently. Listen, Montgomery goes out after three carries with 11 yards. And Herbert steps right in, 20 carries, 157 yards, 7.9 yards per carry with two touchdowns on a day. And then the Chicago Bears were able to kind of do things, going to a bag of trips with St. Brown, getting him out on on the edge on a sweep. Justin Fields, I thought, was great on the ground whenever the pocket broke down and he had an opportunity to use his legs. Guys wasn't able to bring Fields down when the opportunity was there. We look at Justin Fields getting sacked five times. That number could have been higher because of the lack of discipline in terms of the assignment and tackling. I've, 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 I've not seen a team this bad at tackling. And what's ironic is I think I said this two years in a row is an issue. This is a huge issue for the Houston Texans uh, team. And, again, a team led by Lovey Smith giving up nearly 300 yards on the ground I think says a couple of things. Number one, you do not want to be in this predicament that you're in right now in terms of quarterback because there's a top defensive tackle coming out of this year's draft that you would really Mm -hmm. like for Houston. But number two, going into this offseason, the question of the amount of talent that was brought in to compete was always a question mark. And I think we're seeing it right now. The lack of depth is a problem and overall execution of just bringing down guys or the plays has been an issue through three games for this defense, who, by the way, has played some good ball. Like I think everybody would argue and say that even with the losses, majority of those blames shoulders are are on the offensive shoulders. But – Nearly 300 yards on the ground, I think, is a strong talking point to start with in the game of why did the Chicago Bears beat the Houston Texans when the Houston Texans had every opportunity to do so.
1: Before moving on, and I'm pretty sure we'll probably dive more into this tomorrow, but I do want to give kudos to Jalen Petrie. Um, He had an opportunity to record not one but two interceptions in this game plus his first career sack as well. So, Levy Smith always talking about why we never talk about the positives. That is like the lone positive of this game and john you know i could say i, I, I want to touch, touch more about it tomorrow because this is the second week in a row where we are talking about um the defensive the defensive back rookies of course last week it was the promise that we saw out of derrick Stingley. this week it's the play um that jalen petrie was able to do i i just wanted to shine light on that because jalen petrie played his heart out today it's just unfortunate that it came in a
0: loss Absolutely. Derek Stingley also had a good day on Sunday against the Chicago Bears. He recorded Mm -hmm. a sack as well. Again, I think defensively Houston did some some good things. It it, it sucks that it will be overshadowed by the fact that nearly 300 yards was given up. And nearly 200 of those yards was given up to a rookie. I mean a backup, (laughs) excuse me. A backup running back who's a, a fairly good running back. But you don't expect backups in this league to come in and give you almost 200 yards that is something to be discussed now of course offensively there's a whole lot of discussions that we can have and we are going to have on today's episode of the locked on texan podcast ladies and gentlemen allow me to inform you of better help if you're thinking about giving therapy a try BetterHelp is a great option it's convenient accessible affordable and entirely online get matched with therapists after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists anytime when you want to be a better problem solver Therapy can help you get there. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today and get your 10% off, and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on today for 10% off your first month.
1: Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this recap Monday installment of Locked On Texans, recapping the Houston Texans 23 to 20 defeat to the Chicago Bears. Um, John, of course, we got to talk about the offense, which means we got to talk about Davis Mills. Um, I know a lot of people are are criticizing and and, and crucifying Davis Mills for the last drive of the game where he threw the interception that led to the Chicago Bears um, game-winning field goal. However, John, listeners and viewers, you guys know me. I'm looking at this from a big picture and i don't think that is the play that actually costs the houston texans the game um i think it's more so not only the entire performance but it just goes back to the texans inabilities to sustain drives and most importantly of course in this game their inabilities to take care of the football yes the houston texans did in the game with only two um t- take two turnovers But at the same time, that number could have easily went to four because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there was, I know for sure, one, which was a fumble by Damian Pierce. Thankfully, um, Titus Howell was there to recover the fumble, and I believe there was another um, near fumble as well that the Houston Texans had. But with all that being said, John, listeners and viewers, the one play I do believe hurt the Houston Texans more than anything is the end of the first quarter, where Davis Mills threw his first interception of the game at the back of the end zone of course his target was Brandon Cooks however john listeners and viewers if the Houston Texans had an opportunity to convert on the on that touchdown that would have put the Houston Texans at 27 to 23 and we would be sitting here having our first recap Monday installment of locked on Texans other than another loss. Now, before moving forward, I do want you guys to take a listen to what Lovey Smith had to say following the game about that interception. And you know, offensively the same thing, you know, can't turn the ball over. Can't. You definitely can't have a, a turnover in the end zone. And uh, that really hurt us, of course, the last one did too. but. Damon Pierce is always going to do some good things that we like, but overall offensively couldn't sustain enough drives. Uh, we had our opportunities and special team wise, uh, Dez King, that was a big return that really helped us a lot, but uh, overall, just not a good, not a good day. Um, didn't looked like we were a good football team out there today. we we played a lot better than what we played today. Take your question. During his post game, media availability davis mills also talked more so about that first interception that he threw how that killed the momentum for the houston texans at that point um but he also talked about the inabilities how they got into the raise zone several times and had to settle for field goals and john there are two drives that i'm looking at the drive to end the second quarter and of course the drive to open up the third quarter um the houston texans recorded a combined 124 yards on 24 plays And they still ended those drives with nothing but field goals. And once again, if Davis Mills and the Houston Texans had an opportunity to score in the end zone, once again, we're looking at this from a situation of we will have a recap victory Monday installment of Locked On Texans and not recapping another loss.
0: I think one huge issue with this offense is when it's time to continue to move the chains, they just don't have plays or playmakers that they trust consistently to do so. 5 of 15, 2 of 13, 3 of 12. Those are all of the third down conversions throughout the first three weeks of the NFL season for the Houston Texans. The Texans was 3 of 12s on third down against the Chicago Bears. And you mix that with scoring opportunities that they just are not able to cash in on offensively. The interception to Brandon Cooks on the back of the end zone. If I remember correctly, if Davis Mills waits just a second longer, I believe Chris Moore is beat his man on an out route. He may be able to beat him and score that touchdown. Now, <laughs> Davis Mills has been having issues throwing the balls outside of the number. But that's a much better option than forcing the ball to Brandon Cooks, who, by the way, has seven targets on Sunday, only recorded two catches. Nico Collins had four targets on Sunday, recorded two questions – two receptions, excuse me. And I have a question of, if we're looking at this team right now and and wondering whether or not there is a wrong number one wide receiver, Nico Collins right now has been the big play wide receiver for Houston, averaging over 15 to 16 yards per catch. That is what he's been able to do. Last year he was a big play wide receiver in terms of yards per catches, and so far this year – He's shown to be able to do the exact same thing. The issue is Davis Mills has been forcing that ball way too much to Brandon Cooks. And I'm not going to call for a divide in the locker room between the, the veteran wide receiver and Brandon Cooks and a sophomore year wide receiver. However, I'm seeing Houston more productive offensively whenever Nico Collins is getting involved in the game. You saw that throughout the, throughout the game on Sunday. There was multiple times where we were able to see Nico Collins create some big plays, and then later throughout that drive, Davis Mills is fortunate to Brandon Cooks. It's not working as much as he would want it to right now, and that goes back to some of the progressions. Throughout that game, Davis Mills was doing a very good job on at least three drives. I think Houston had their best three drives offensively throughout this game, two in the first quarter, one didn't result in a touchdown, and then he also had one later in the drive, later in the game. This is what Davis Mills has to work on: going through progressions, finding your open man, and allowing plays to develop. Which is something on Sunday he w- he was able to do at times, but not when it mattered. He had two opportunities to put to risk all of those questions, and offensively in the fourth quarter, where the Houston Texans have been scored now thirty to zero in the fourth quarter throughout the first three games. He was not able to put points on the board. That is not good.
1: I I wouldn't necessarily say it'll be a divide between the veteran wide receiver and the sophomore wide receiver. And of course, you're talking about the divide between Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins. But John, that just goes back to the to the problems that we have with Davis Mills because any other quarterback would not be forcing the ball to Brandon cooks and i know you just alluded that's not to true. It. That's yeah, not true. it it it's gotta be john because
0: force the ball to to the number one weapon we've seen it a lot in the NFL we've seen show. it that's a lot
1: but like look we've seen it a lot but at the same time john what i'm getting to is you go back and you take a look at that game and i know when the all 22 come out that that's gonna be the first thing you're gonna look at go back and take a look at once again how many of those targets was, actual, was actually it For Brandon cooks and once again we're looking at this from a standpoint that Davis Mills is a one read quarterback because just like the play that we just finished talking about when he threw that interception at the back of the end zone on Brandon cooks had he waited just a split second he would have known that Chris Moore would have been open it's the same thing as last week when you had another opportunity to throw a touchdown pass and you miss Nico Collins on one read and you miss Chris Moore on the other read because what you was forcing the ball to Brandon cooks if you are a quarterback and you are going through your reads like you're supposed to, and yes, I understand that you have your pre-snap reads or whatever the case might be, but at the same time, if you're a number one target, if your number one option isn't open, you have, majority of the time, two, sometimes three other targets to choose from. That That's that's my number one issue of whether this is a Brandon Cooks or Nico Collins type of debate or whatever the case might be at the end of the day davis mills need to learn how to go through his reads more often and stop targeting brandon cooks just because that's your safety blanket
0: i also think that the houston texans play calling was questionable as well and i i think it took away from what the rhythm could have been for davis mills to establish and we'll go back and watch to to really Break down a breakdown of play calling tonight because I, I, I do think that Mills, Pep, and the, the, the inability for some of these players to make plays has all been in question. But I want to go back to that first drive that led to three points. That was a drive where they scored on. However, I thought that was a drive not only for Davis Mills but for that offense to feel a touchdown on a real drive Coming out of halftime, Mills did a good job of recognizing Damian Pierce on that first pass. Instead of forcing it anywhere else, found Damian Pierce wide open. And uh, he ran over a couple of bears. Like ran out of bounds, but three bears was on the ground. He did a very good job of finding Akins on the very next play across the middle, going through his progressions once again. And then you pick up Damian Pierce right there. Here's Damian Pierce again. Davis Mills didn't force a throw to Brandon Cooks, um, but he didn't thread it. The one that Brandon Cooks almost caught. I
1: know that's what you're talking about. He didn't
0: thread it. It was a great throw. The near toe tap? No, this is through the middle of the field. Oh, okay. Didn't thread it like how you want to. But then there was a play on the drive where you got to look at Pip Hamilton and wonder why are you calling a tight end screen with Pharoah Brown? (laughs) instead of trying to push the ball downfield, maybe you can pick up something, maybe not, but at least try. They are off. The communication is off between the two, and I think the trust is off between what Pep Hamilton mm-hmm. believes and what he what he believes his quarterback can and cannot do. However, a tight end screen of Farrell Brown just doesn't sit right with me. That doesn't do anything for your offense. Um, and, and kudos to Jordan Akers, who got signed off the weekend, mm. came right in and scored, former Houston Texan, He looked a lot slimmer, and I liked how Houston used him on Sunday. But this offense really does have an issue with consistently keeping drives going on third downs. That has been their weakest point throughout the season so far. And I think third down play calling has hurt them the most because they're trying to establish the run. It hasn't been as successful as maybe they would like. And at times, because of maybe – Uh, Penalties or bad sacks, whatever the case may have been before the third down call for first and second down, Davis Mills has not been in the most favorable situations either, which I think has hindered the play calling. Welcome back in Locked On Texans listeners and viewers. Some more takeaways from Sunday's game after the immediate watch. The Houston Texans now have nine three and outs on the year, the most in the NFL. Also, I mentioned that in the fourth quarter going into Sunday's game, they were outscored 27 to 0. That is now 30 to 0. The mm. Chicago Bears mm. won the game off a of field goal. Um, something that I speculated with last week came to fruition, and I think not even fruition, it was just a stamp on it. Jalen Petrie. Is the best player on this Texas <laughs> defense. And I seriously think we may need to start having a conversation, which isn't a strong one, if he's the best player on this team right now. just putting that out there. Jalen Petra had a phenomenal day. Uh, and you can see the reason why he was highly thought of for Lovey Smith in his defense and Nick Casario because he can just do so many different things. And was a waste that it, the Texans was not able to win that game on Sunday. He definitely would have been the player of the game. Also, the fumble at the 6-minute and 39-second mark of the game for Damian Pierce left him on the sideline throughout the entire – throughout the rest of the game. He was not featured anymore. We saw Rex Burkhead. And one thing that I learned about Damian Pierce in this game was he may be very dangerous in open field. And – I believe that he should be utilized in the passing game much more, whether it may be by screen or just trying to get him involved in some one on one situations. I had a couple of great moves in order to pick up some extra yardage whenever he was able to catch out of the backfield. And I also want to address this with Damian Pierce being basically in the doghouse for the last six minutes and 39 seconds of that game, there is the issue. There lies the issue in signing and favoring. Rex Burkhead, over the playing time of maybe Darrell Ogunbowale or the contract, the roster spot over Marlon Mack.
1: <laughs>
0: Again, at the very least, on these third down and ones, at the third down and twos, I trust Marlon Mack much more than I trust Rex Burkhead. And you're putting a player out there who athletically isn't as gifted as he may have been once in his career or isn't as gifted as the times would need it and he doesn't do anything in the obvious better way than what we may have seen out of Marlon Mack and what we're not seeing out of Daray, who I believe should be on the field more often in those passing down situations. This is just my thoughts, you know, my opinions. But this is another reason why being loyal and sticking with your guy and Rex Burkhead has hindered this offense because he does not do much as a backup, as we're seeing some backups in the league, like Herbert, who's able to rush for nearly 180 yards whenever he can get the time to. So that's an issue, and offensively, Houston just cannot get it done, losing all three games, I believe, in the fourth quarter.
1: And with that being said, John, we are sitting here entering week four on Sunday, they're going to play a very motivated Los Angeles Chargers team, who just got their ass handed to them by the Jacksonville Jaguars. By the way, who was looking really, really good at the start of the year, but the Houston Texans are sitting at zero, two, and one. And when you go back and you take a look at all three of these games, where do the Houston Texans go from here? Because we did it week one, we we did it week two, and we're doing it again in week three. This is an opportunity. There are moments where you could sit there and say, if X, Y, and Z works in the Houston Texans' favor, or if they just had better talent, whether it be at the wide receiving core, quarterback room, whatever the case might be, they could have been entering week four at 3-0. and oh. The last time the Houston Texans lost, well, went winless in the first three games of the season, it was during the 2019 campaign, and they ended up finishing, I believe, and I want to say, Um, whatever the case might be. But they ended up playing really, really good. Of course, the talent (laughs) was a hell of a lot better in 2019, unlike what it is now. But, John, I mean, do you see any point where the Texans can actually save their season?
0: No. No, I I thought this was a turning point for them. If it was a turning point, it was week three. We don't see a lot of teams – save their season after going down oh three well, well they, they, they
1: did in 2019 but once again i understand the talent level was a hell of a lot better but they would they they opened up the season oh and three in 2019 and you know it's, i was at 2018
0: what, 18 or 19 one of the two that's what i was getting at like we we, we don't see many teams do it and this isn't the team that i'm going to Put my faith in to do it. I think right now what we have to look at and recognize and have a conversation around with Lovey Smith is through as a coach, as a head coach, through three games. The Texans show their identity, and I think that we now know what that is. And that's currently that's a team that's not in, that's incapable of taking advantage of opportunities throughout each mm. and every one of their first three games. A major important factor for these teams have been out. You look at. Montgomery, he goes out in the first quarter against the Chicago Bears. Jerry Judy goes out in the, in the different Bronco game, and they're missing guys defensively. Look at how the Indianapolis Coast was missing some, some players. That is important for them, right? And in three of those games, they have not been able to exploit what that team is missing and take advantage and get wins. This is the identity of this team. And we wanted to see it maybe turned around on Sunday with the Chicago Bears playing them a team that is mirroring, splitting mirror image image of you and you was not able to do it as a team. And, And I think that the conversation now is this is who they are until they're able to add more talent, until they're able to become more disciplined. But there are some question marks at each phase of the game for this team that showed their true colors and Sunday was the day that we we now know who they are.
1: Hmm. And that was actually 2018 when they started the season 0-3. Oh, they finished 11-5 and, and got their ass handed to them in the playoffs by the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, th- this is crazy, John. You hit the nail on the coffin. I don't think I've never seen a team where you had three consecutive moments three consecutive games where you had an opportunity to win the other team is basically begging you to win the game and yet you still come away with two losses in a tie john i'm hoping that we do not go back to that first game of the season and say, because they ended that game in a tie that basically put them on a sour note for the rest of the year. And that is very important because remember what I said leading up to week one, Jonathan Gennard said that first game is very important because it showcased what the Houston Texans will be working with throughout the rest of the season. And here we are entering week four at zero to one
0: that's where they are right now and and that's what they're going to continue to be until they're able to muster together a win and, and and fight with some pride i mean defensively they gotta bring these guys down they got to stop missing tackles and offensively they got to get some rhythm and i think that that has been a real issue for them because of the time that was missed throughout the preseason throughout the offseason, with your number ones mm-hmm. and i think they took that time for granted so we will continue to cover this team and as long as you guys continue to show up, I'm John Hickman. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Texans YouTube page as well.
1: And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.